Previously on Anything Goes. This machine of Just for Laughs is a juggernaut. And it is an institution. And you can't help but uh, admire what they've done from nothing. But with government help. Right. And if they are going to be as diligent about promoting foreign, uh, um, American, British, and Irish acts and Australian acts across Canada, why aren't they as diligent about promoting Canadians in Australia and Britain? You know why? Because they don't think we're as good as them. I think that built-in bias exists. And I've always believed there's room for everybody sure. if you structure your tour accordingly. Right. Like you don't go on sale the same day as your competitor. Right. You leave a cushion. Right. That's bad business. Right. Yeah. Okay? Well, the British Invasion went up for sale the same day that we did. Yeah. I outsold those guys in every market in yeah. Atlantic Canada. I, the reason I know that is because I did a dirty tour of clubs at the same time. And so everybody was fighting for press and for, for kind of positioning. And everybody was telling me how well your show was doing and the British Invasion tour. Which is a hard sell because nobody really knows those acts. They may be hilarious acts, but nobody knows who they are. Well, you know, uh, uh, I feel bad for Steve uh, sure. in that he's a respect. Great guy. You know, he's yeah. a great guy and an excellent comedian. Sure. Steve Patterson, yeah, Steve Patterson. Yeah, yeah, and he does a great job in the debaters. And uh, you know, he makes me laugh. He's a he's a trooper. You know, he's a player in the trenches, and that's uh, all of us are in the trenches together. But now that's them, right? They also had their logo on the Blue Collar tour. 75 yes. bucks a ticket. Yes, yeah. I'm also on the road when Seinfeld, and although he's not associated with Just for Laughs, I'm just giving you an idea oh, yeah. how glutted the Louis market... Louis C.K. was a Just for Laughs presentation. Jim Gaffigan's coming through with a Just for Laughs presentation. All these comics are now Danny Just Boy. for Laughs. Danny Dimitri Boy. Martin. Uh, Dimitri Martin. Dimitri Martin. Dimitri um, Martin. Um, John Panette. Yep. And let me clarify. I have nothing against a man making a living. Oh, no, no, no. You know, no. nothing against no. that. But there's only so much money to go around. And also, when it's subsidized by the Canadian government that the way they are, it's a little shady. A little shady? It's bullshit. It's plain, right. up-front bullshit. Right. And now, let's get to a new, exciting show. Not me if you dare! <laughs> I'm your... Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Just like Lance Armstrong, what they lack in balls, they make up in steroids. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? Okay, here we go. It is, we are in the month of December. This is Anything Goes for the week of December 4th. My name is Dave Martin. Uh, we are here at the XM... Oh, my God. We are at the Sirius XM Studios. It is Sirius XM. Um, this is Anything Goes, and we are Darren Frost-free this week, but we are bringing you another uh, interview that uh, Darren and I did while we were out in Calgary. Uh, we um, we recorded a bunch of uh, interviews out there with, with some Calgary uh, or some Western comics that don't always get the attention that they deserve, but uh, we're trying to shine a light on them and because they're funny guys and, uh, yeah, they deserve to be heard. Um, now, uh, on this week's episode, we have um, Derek Sweet. We are going to be kind of geeking out uh, on uh, video games. 
Uh, Darren and I uh, sort of uh, we recall some of our. Uh, some of our, our childhood memories of video games, and we uh, sort of go back through the years of, because uh, I guess uh, it was cause Derek Sweet. We'll, we'll hear all about it, but Derek Sweet has a, a long history with the game uh, Dragon's Lair and video games themselves, and then we uh, get into his comedy. Uh, I got to do a couple of announcements uh, off the top of the show here. Um, uh, Mr. Kenny Robinson uh, will be doing the Rob Ford Follies, a show that uh, takes, it's like a no-holds-barred shot at uh, Rob Ford, uh, taking uh, every uh, every punch that we can at the uh, big puffy marshmallow mare we have here in the city. Uh, on the show is going to be Simon Rakoff, Alan Park, Mark Walker, Craig Larizon, Mike Rita, and Steve Kersner, who you also might know as Ed the Sack. That was my Ed the Sack impression. Not bad, I, don't, I guess, for his... You know, for what it's worth, for as much as I effort I put into it. And that show is December 5th, the Ford Follies. Tickets are $15. Showtime is 8.30. It is at the Elma Combo on Spadina Street, just below College in downtown Toronto. And Darren Frost himself, if you wanted to meet the uh, other person that usually sits here across the uh, on the other side of the studio with me, uh, Darren Frost will be in... Ottawa on uh, New Year's Eve. He'll be playing at the Elgin Club, and you can check out Darren. Also, he will be at the Toronto Downtown Club, the Yuck Yucks on um, Richmond Street, uh, November 27th to December 1st. November 27th to December 1st. Go, go and check out uh, Darren at those clubs, and uh, now we will get off um, to uh, our interview with Derek Sweet. So here we go. First segment, Derek Sweet talking video games and uh, and comedy. Here we go. We were talking before about uh, video games and, and your love for video games when we were at the gig on Sunday night. And uh, I mean, I've been a big fan of video games, but for me, it kind of stops at Mario. Like, yeah. uh, I was a, I'm a huge um, retro gamer. I love all the retro gaming type things. I've got, I've got an old Xbox converted with emulators and all that shit at home. Sweet, yeah. And I love that stuff. But it doesn't really go past that for me. I know it went past that for you, Dave. Like, you're, you're a fan of some of the shooting games. Uh, yeah, yeah, some of them. Like, I love the Resident Evils and stuff like that. And some of the, uh, you know, some of the older World War II Call of Duties and stuff. But, like, how, how old are you? 36. 36. So, like, did you have... So yeah, what was you, your first? What was the first system you had? Because I'm 42. The first thing I had was an Atari. Well, before we get into systems, like, do you did you go to arcades? Yeah, absolutely. Like, did you have the roll of quarters? Like, were because I remember sort of like, and where were arcades when you when you were growing up? There was there would be sometimes in strip malls, sometimes in the big malls. Yeah. Okay, you know? so it's still prevalent out here at that time. Big time. Well, no. Yeah. Oh, I mean, huge, like, how yeah. old were you when you were going to like the 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 actual arcades? I'd imagine eight to twelve. I can't remember the exact yeah. ages, but I mean, I would go for hours. Right, I would, yeah. my, my mom would give me twenty bucks, and that was so much Whoa, money. 20, I know that was that's a lot. Yeah. And then my parents would take us to Chuck E. Cheese and Bullwinkles and stuff. And my family was known because my birthday parties are the best because my mom would put down a big cowboy hat and fill the cowboy hat with quarters. Tokens and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then we would just we would play video games constantly. So I mean, there isn't an aspect of video game that I'm not huge into, honestly. Like I right. I, I I'm probably as big of a video game nerd as you can get while still having a life I think. Well, see, see I still I still look at video games with those sort of you know rose colored glasses of just I remember of you know you'd, you'd stand at a game and if a guy wanted if wanted to play next you know you'd put the quarter down put it on, on yeah. the one player two player sort of yeah. buttons and because you knew that he wasn't going to fuck around with those buttons during his gameplay yeah. and uh, so I mean I still remember those and I remember you know when you were trying to tell your parents no I'm not just wasting money because I remember my mom just being like you're just throwing your money away <laughs> yeah. and also I, there was a convenience store near me 
And then that convenience store, at one point, I remember this is like uh, probably like mid-'80s that uh, – in their storage area, they had like a Pac-Man and a Galaga game, the stand-up kind, and and then it was just like it was like around the you had to go around the back, like behind where the freezers were, and then they had these two games, and the, just the older kids were hanging around them, and you, there was that sort of like trying to stand on your tiptoes to see, well, hey, what are you guys doing? And then um, I remember when video games had cigarette things in them, like the oh, Space yeah. Invaders. Whoa! I don't thing to hold your smoke and stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, that. just a, an ashtray. Yeah, yeah. I thought ashtray. you meant that the video games dispense cigarettes. <laughs> so I was like, what? that wouldn't be. I, that's in a logical step. In the seventies, it probably could happen. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, I, and the cigarettes, abortive fetus, it just kicks you in the stomach so you keep on playing. Yeah. They, well, I think that's implying that any chicks were there. If, uh, they, uh, <laughs> Isn't it weird? You, you know, I also remember too. It was like I'd always see that one. You'd see the one guy with the incredibly bored girlfriend. Yeah. And then the guy would be playing the game, and then the bored girlfriend would be just sitting there going like, oh. Someone please then, fuck me. Yeah. And then uh, I don't, you would never be saying that. More like, just get me out of here, please. <laughs> and then I remember as a kid going like, that guy's the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> He's still playing his video game, and that chick's with him. Yeah. And someday I'm going to be just like that guy. Oh, man, when there's a guy that can make it to the end of Dragon's Lair, there are crowds would form. Crowds oh, yeah. Well, would yeah, form. we're going to get to that. Well, it's sure. just, like I didn't even know. Uh, like you see King of Kong, and then there's that whole thing about the kill screen. It wasn't until I saw that documentary Me either I that, I, that I didn't even know about the kill screen. Yeah, Did you know I, about that? No, no. Yeah, yeah. Do you know about it? You don't know about yeah, it now, yeah. right? Yeah, but I mean, growing up as a kid, we I never saw anyone get to a kill screen. Of ever. course, yeah, no, never. The uh, but I uh, yeah, and I remember like a uh, you know that old creepy guy that dispensed quarters. He, oh, was, yeah. the, he was the coolest guy. At the uh, video arcades, and he would always be like a good four feet higher than yeah, that little else. thing on yep. his hip for pushing oh, him yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the metal <laughs> change dispenser. Yep. And you know, I remember uh, outside of one arcade on, at Young and College, uh, you could buy hat. You could, and this is when you could actually buy hash, which is it's not hard, it's hard to find hash these days. But you could you, outside, you could find you could buy hash at this arcade, and uh, and then gradually, you know, the, you see it in King of Kong that that just culture sort of died out of the actual arcades. Well, home, home, home arcades took over, like home video systems and the idea of like spending all that money. I mean, we'll, we'll get to uh, that uh, because even before any of that happened, the, the, the defining video game really was Dragon's Lair. Like there's waves of, of, of video games and that's definitely one of them. When Dragon's Lair came out, it was kind of a bit of a, chain, a game changer. It went from 25 cents to 50 cents for a game yeah. and there was lineups around to try to play the game. I remember just sitting watching other people. I, would, I was so small and they would just let me sit beside. I'd watch it for hours, other people play. I, well, I, you know, but I mean there were other games too. Like I remember – you remember uh, Pit Fighter? That was like the first game that I remember where it was they they have two characters against each other. Yeah. But they somehow, but they took like real f- images of people. Right. And they yeah. were. Um, I think Mortal Kombat did it first. Well, no, but, yeah. but but Pit Fighter was but Mortal Kombat. They were like actual like they were more cartoon characters, but these were like real pictures of guys. That but they, all that stuff happened well after Dragon's Lair. Yeah. yeah. Well after, like when it comes to defining things, it's like Space or well, Pong, Space Invaders, Pac Man. Dragon's Lair, and then you kind of get to that Neo Geo Mortal Kombat kind of era of video games. Cubert, Cubert well, was before that. Cubert was well yeah. before that. But you actually worked. This is one of the. I mean, I, we're going to talk video games, but you actually worked 
on a Dragon's Lair video game. Not just Dragon's Lair, Dragon's Lair, Dragon's Lair 2, Space Ace, and Mad Dog McCree, all four of those games. What is Mad Dog? I don't even know what that is. Mad Dog McCree was like the same idea, but it was a light gun, and you shot at the screen. Instead of pressing left or right and stuff, you had to actually shoot oh, okay. the characters on the screen. But it was the same idea. Videos would play. If you didn't shoot the guy in time, then, okay. then they would show an animation of him shooting you, and if you got him, then the, then the animation would continue. But it wasn't cartoons. It was real video. Right. Is there someone's phone going yeah, on? It's the, it's the condo phone. It's the condo wait, phone. Wait till it's done. Yeah. Okay. All right. The uh, I don't and Space Ace. I'm not. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember it very much. And oh, I remember Space Ace. I uh, yeah. I dismissed Dragon's Lair really early because I was shit at it. Yeah. And it's like literally every game would be about twenty seconds. Yeah, and it's then, really and, hard. And then yeah, but the then day, it, then it was day. like when you could find a guy that was good at it. Then you'd be like, okay, well now I'll watch this. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, yeah, those those ones was uh, I, I definitely could not agree with them. Like I still remember the end, the kill screen, or kill screen, the last scene in Dragon's Lair. It's like left, 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 back, forward, right, forward, sword, sword, left, sword, sword. Is the final eight uh, to <laughs> kill the dragon? I like I remember it almost pattern wise. That's awesome. You still remember that? Yeah, I mean, I made the game and I didn't. Remember yeah. That. Oh yeah. It was, it was. I remember for a long time before there were like video game help books and all that stuff. Yeah. It was like, okay, this is how you do it, kid. And this guy showed me how to do it. And I remember writing it down. <laughs> and then he jerked you off. And, and then my cock smelled like aluminum. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just realized I need to clarify as well. I didn't make Dragons Lair. I made the PC version of no, them. I know, that no, was I understand finally that. good. I know you yeah, understand yeah, yeah. that, but I want to make sure the audience sure. doesn't right. see this yeah. thing. I'm, right. Hey, I'm the guy that made Dragons because Lair. Because the reason I wanted to bring that up is it was such a, a big thing in arcades. And then when it came ported to other systems, like there was a Commodore 64 version. There was like so many different versions of Dragon's Lair. So you helped doing the PC versions. Was that with – that was with Leisure, Digital Leisure? Yeah. Well, what happened was I bought every version of this game that came out. Because right. I couldn't wait until I could play Dragon's Lair at home. And every version sucked. Right. They all were terrible. They Even weren't... the 3DO version? I uh, I don't remember. I didn't have a 3DO. Oh, so. Okay, okay. Because I remember uh, there being a 3DO version. Supposedly it was the first time it actually almost was the same. Cool. Yeah, I mean, there was there was things like the the sequences were randomized, and but they weren't completely randomized. Like you would always get one of three scenes for the first choice, and then one of three for the second one, and they would right. go in these orders, and it seemed random, but it really was. There was a pattern to it that you can know. So, anyways. I, one night, I bought, I think, either the third or fourth version of the game that I bought in my lifetime, and it was terrible again. So I was in my fourth year of university, super studying, drunk. Studying computers. Studying computers, time, yeah. Right? Super drunk, because <laughs> I had been out partying at the Republic or something properly. Came home, played the game, couldn't believe how terrible it was, decided to look up Digital Leisure. Right. And at 2 a.m. wrote them a completely profanity-laden, drunken email. You guys fucking suck. What the fuck is... This is a game where you're playing a movie. If they press the right direction, then it plays one movie. If they press the wrong direction, plays another fucking movie. How hard is this to get right? What right. the fuck is wrong with you, right. you stupid idiots? I couldn't have been ruder. And I got a one... Like this schematic drawing is the most basic schematic drawing <laughs> yeah. of your life. Left, right, left, right, left, right. And there's no graphics. There's Well, there's video, but there's no 3D graphics. There's no sprites. Right. There's nothing to animate. Other The animations are done, right? It's just a file. File, file, right. Bluth did the animations 20 years ago, right? And uh, I got one sentence response, which was... Fuck you. you. No. no said, <laughs> he said, think you can do better. And I wrote back and I said, I absolutely do. Give me a chance. And he sent me all of the things that I need to make. You know the one scene of Dirk jumping through the wall yeah, yeah. where the yeah. wall's closing? He yeah. sent me that scene and I remade that scene perfectly with all the sound effects and everything, all the timing perfectly. And I said, 
I can do that for the whole game. And they gave me the opportunity. No, what what, what year was that? That would be 2000 and 2000, 2001. Okay. All right. I just think, I think that that route to get to your dream job of, of being a video game creator, I think that, uh, or a video game programmer or whatever, you, whatever title you want. But um, I think that sort of era of like, I'm going to call the company and tell them that I can do better. I think that might be dying out because I'm sure that everybody does that now. But I think it's really cool that you did it and it worked out. Uh, I wasn't trying to get a job though. I, I was know, just trying to tell yeah, him yeah, how much they suck. Yeah, right. yeah, right. And uh, and then it's and then and then through them they brought the guys from Dragon's Lair Project on board, which were guys that rebuilt these arcade machines from scratch. They would buy the laser discs and rebuild them in their homes. And so I had them testing my software, and they would literally write me and be like, "Yeah, this one move, you're about half a second late. You need to make it half a second sooner." So we really made it perfect, and I had right. all the dip switches from the arcades in there, and everything. I told and then and I told them I said, "You have to put arcade authentic." all over all the boxes so people get the idea that we did it right. right. It'd be right. great if you could email your favorite rock band and just say, listen, your latest <laughs> album sucked. I can't believe. How hard is it to put three or four chords together? <laughs> and then I got one email back from Metallica that said, can you do better? Yes, I can. It's funny. And then you, they had me murdered. Or it's funny you mentioned that because I used to be this huge, I still am a big fan of the band Tool, and right. I used to hang out in the Tool chat rooms all the time, and I was working on Dragon's Lair one night, and somebody asked me, said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just working on this video game, Dragon's Lair, and he was Krusty Clown was his name. And then he sent me a message saying, hey, this is Adam Jones, the guitarist from the band, would you want to make video games for our website? And I was like, fuck off, you're not Adam Jones. And then he pulled me into a private chat under the account that only he could use. He sent you a dick pic. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> I guess, I know. And so nice that. Talk, but- <laughs> so that happened too, and I made a little version of Pac-Man that had tool graphics in it and stuff, and I got backstage in Berkeley for both shows, met the whole band, oh, hung wow. out with them. It was amazing, yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that, but that's another time where I was just dicking around in a chat room, and yeah, right. somebody showed up. I'm a very lucky man. Lucky shit happens to me. Like I'm one of the most – I fall ass backwards into wow. luck like you wouldn't believe. I mean that's a that's a that's a, a cool story. I mean, and you yeah. know, I mean, think of a, but also think about how many people might write letters and then just get absolutely nothing back. But I wonder, you, yeah. And yeah. you could provide, you could back up what to what you, what you were saying too. So you think you're yeah. lucky? I want you to write Steven Spielberg. Go, dear Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. E.T. sucked. <laughs> oh yeah. Dear Let's James see you do better. Yeah. I would have gone more the AI road. He did AI, right? He took yeah, it over from Kubrick. Did, yeah. Oh, yeah. he ruined it. Kubrick would have done a way better job. I didn't even know that. So Kubrick was going to do the... uh, The Haley Joe Osmond where he was like the computer boy. Originally, yeah. The android kid. Well, it was his script. I don't know if he had a cast it or anything. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Well, the... um, And Spielberg ruined it, from what I'm told. Oh, yeah. I've seen like little bits and pieces of that movie. But I remember their their sort of... uh, What do you you call it? uh, Slogan for the movie was... was, um, a uh, an artificial thirteen year old boy who's taught how to love or something like that, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh my god, the big pedophile market of just like, <laughs> ooh, a robot that's never going to grow old and is soft and cuddly and warm and, and learning to love. Yeah, it's never going to call the cops. Or if you like, put your cock inside, you shock to death. Well, that could probably be an added fetish too. If you want to, to get woken up every morning and. Instead of a cup of coffee, you fuck you your doll. You feel robots, and when you put the cock in, it just cuts the cock off and they die. Uh, yeah, or <laughs> but you don't want them to be like, oh, well, if I'm going to get my cock cut off, I'm not going to buy this doll. So yeah, I'll, I'll go out and get the real thing. Yeah. yeah. That was the first segment of our chat that Darren Frost and I had 
uh, with Derek Sweet while we were playing the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club in Calgary. So uh, we will be right back after these words with the second part of our Derek Sweet conversation. This is Anything Goes for the week of December 4th. They were all voted most likely to be someone's bitch in prison. This is Anything Goes. Hi, this is David Pride, and you're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. Knock, knock. Guess which host found blood in his vomit and thought, when did I drink all that blood? This is Anything Goes. Hey there, everybody. We're back. This is Anything Goes for the week of December 4th. Uh, my name's Dave Martin. We are Darren Frost free this week, uh, but I'm just doing the little old intros and outros to the interviews that we did while Darren and I were at the comedy club in Calgary, Alberta. We uh, sat with a bunch of Western comics, but uh, for this show, we are talking to Derek Sweet. Uh, we go on with Derek and talk more about video games, retro video games, clean comedy, and uh, I think we talk a bit about stand-up documentaries in this segment, but um, no more wasting time. Here we go. Derek Sweet. On anything goes. The uh, and so where uh, has the uh, the Dragon's Lair world uh, taken you from uh, from there? Um, nowhere. I uh, okay, so you, did, you did the games, right? I got you I, did them more out of love than going. I I want to work at this place and all this. So you did right. these games. They were happy with the games. Yeah, they released the games. Yeah, and, versions of the games. Oh yeah, they've right. released multiple. Then they've changed them and then they ported them to iPhone and a whole bunch of things. They're your, still selling your them. version. Uh, I'm sure that some of the work I've done has made it into that code. I doubt they started it all from scratch, but it's possible they did. Right, right. You know, so. Well, that's still cool. Yeah. So it's cool. I only got paid $1,000 per game, so I made $4,000 for all four of those games. They've probably made millions, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, that's the downside of the video game industry. It's like you say, it was a lot. No, but I could have set up my contract so I got a percentage of sales or something, but I was just young and inexperienced, and I wanted to do it out of love, like you said. I absolutely really wanted to do it. And you still love love video games this day. You're still a big gamer. Yep. Um, and you know these new these new systems are coming out. But you started with ColecoVision. That was your first console you ever had. Yeah, because my dad was a dentist, and like the 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 less <laughs> the less spoiled kids got Ataris, and the the rich kids got you know, ColecoVision. You're, you're sitting and... in front of a less spoiled kid right now. Because I'm sorry, I, I, I had the Atari 2600, <laughs> and I know there was in television. And then there was the 2600, and then Coleco was the one where it was like, it's almost just like the arcade. Well, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, but that yeah. was the... Yeah, Donkey Kong was great, and uh, Ladybug. I remember Ladybug for, for, the, uh, for the ColecoVision was great. The yeah. um, now what? Uh, but yeah, then I guess uh, I guess yeah, the arcades died out, and then the home well, systems then got better. Well, then Commodore 64 came out, and then what really killed, I think, like arcades took a hit with, the, with those systems, but they really took a hit with the NES. I think the NES mm-hmm. was the final kind of like nail in the coffin. Uh, then all video games became very Neo Geo, where it was like group play was important or shooting, like mm-hmm. the Time Crisis and all those kinds of games. Well, if you notice, the arcades turn everything in the arcades turn into you're either riding a car or right. a bike or sh- swinging a golf club. Or there was dancing. no, yeah, there was no standing there arcade games anymore. Right. It right. became an interactive experience, and that's why arcades sucked. 
right? You know, yeah. for a while. And now, now the old school arcades are coming back, where you pay five dollars admission, all the games are free to play, and you where? can stay. Is there one here there in Calgary? There's, there's one in Regina, and I've heard one's coming in Calgary. Okay, oh, well, it was, uh, thanks for and coming. There's on the show and uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is one in Toronto. There is one in Toronto. Yeah, we got a road trip. There's yeah. one in Toronto. Yeah, my buddies know about one in Toronto. They've talked to me about it, so I'll get. I'll find yeah, out where it is for you. Yeah. The because uh, yeah. there's Dave and Buster's down in the states too, which is a bar and arcade. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Dave and Buster's, but they're kind of like they're they're very similar to the Ridey games and the dance games and Tokens. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of I didn't old know that. Games, so. I didn't know that. Dave yeah. Buster's is kind of like Chuck E. Cheese for for grownups. Yeah. Yeah, well, which, you know, it's just... Is it terrible? Fine, it's it's more it, of a it date is what it thing. is. You bring a chick and you both race in the motorbike or whatever, but yeah, yeah. hardcore gaming, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, but that, that was sort of... That was one of the things that's sort of like, yeah, then be, then all the games became the sitting down driving kind of... Or, right, like the motorcycle or the or you have the gun, and they and then you have to go to the arcades because you didn't couldn't have a motorcycle at home mm-hmm. that you would sit on and ride. And the graphics at home started to get better than what you really could see in arcades. True. On... Uh, on on a regular basis. Yeah. So then it's like, I remember my friend paid $80 for Yara's Revenge for Atari 2600. <laughs> and I look at it now and I just laugh hysterically. I mean, every game for Atari is pathetic except yeah. the basic four. But like E.T., have you ever seen E.T. for the 2600? Yeah. Holy, have you ever seen that, Dave? Uh, wow. No, go but... on go on YouTube because you can see it. It's fucking unbelievable. Do you but know the legend they... of the of the, of the the pit of Atari cartridges, of the E.T. cartridges? Yeah, I, I've read this before, but tell me again. There were so many left over because it was such sell. a bad thing that yeah. they just threw them all. It's all in a trash dump somewhere, and there's a legend that you can still find the dump of Atari, of E.T. Yeah. games. There are just hundreds of thousands of them. Yes. Well, I remember the, the Ghostbusters game, which was terrible. Um, and then the Indiana Jones uh, uh, 2600 game, I remember as well. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I loved uh, well, I, um, all the Activision games of, like, uh, Keystone Cops. Oh, yeah, and Brainstorming, Kaboom. They were all, you know. Adventure VR, was great. Uh, River Raid and all that stuff. And uh, Pitfall 2. That, yeah. was the, that was a, that was a, a very big one. Pitfall was Pit, such a good game. Pitfall I don't know. Pitfall's on my phone. I have it on my uh, my. But Android. Pitfall Two was the one where like, and I think that yeah, you, you would have to take a photograph of the screen, and then you would mail, mail away, and then uh, I, if I really, really did my best, I probably could find my uh, my Harry Pitfall, uh, my Pitfall uh, Explorers Club. Patch. No, I had, I tr- never knew about any of it's this. It's a triangle, oh, yeah. and uh, it's and that was the sort of shit that was. Uh, yeah, you could you could get that back then. And you remember Atari moved into computers, but they didn't have keys. They had the flat touch kind of like right. Yeah. You'd have the two controllers and you'd slide them both together. Yeah. And uh, I can't even remember what you could actually do with them, but but you couldn't save any of the work that you did or do anything. So it yeah. was like you'd just sit there for a while and fucking type a bunch of shit out, and then as soon as you turned it off, it was gone. Yeah. So, but now, did you do any kind of? Were you a computer guy too, like computer gaming? Like, did you have a Commodore sixty four? And then, you know, all those free games you got by discs and trading your friend's discs. Did you ever do that stuff? My buddy across the street had a Commodore 64, but I never had one. But there is one for sale at the cash converters down the street. And I collect old school consoles. Like, I've got them all. I've got multiple copies of them, and I really want to go buy it. But it's like 300 bucks. I'm like, that's a I, lot. I could probably get you one next time you come to Toronto. Yeah? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Wicked. I think I even have a working 64 still, but I know my friend Sid, like I was telling you before, he's got he's got tons of that stuff. Yeah, I can't wait to come see this guy's oh, place. Oh, it's, un- it's unbelievable. Yeah, I find that, well, I mean, the novelty wears off pretty quickly whenever you're playing the, the really old school games. You're I sort don't of know, like, man. Mm-hmm. I still, because I'm so, like I said, I've got an emulator on my computer now, the Commodore 64. Well, I'm talking about like, you know, 2600, like 2600 is, oh, is yeah. especially, you, you yeah. can't play those games for more than 10 minutes. No. Now. Yeah, you're yeah. like, okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah. You know? But I mean, you know, what I, I have uh, on my uh, the fucking 
what's the not Game Boy? What's the NES one? The uh, 3DS? Or? Uh, no, no, no. What's the one? The portable system? The one that 3DS. Yeah. Okay, that's well, the new one, the most modern or one. DS or? Yeah, the Nintendo DS. I have. Yeah. I have like a Namco uh, old school one, and so yeah. I I can still play Miss Pac-Man for forever. It's yeah, still yeah. A, it's still a great game. Well, Miss Pac-Man was the first game that you know women went nuts for. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, did they know? really go? Yeah, like, really I went mean, nuts. Like I, I remember in my university, <laughs> Gloria days, Steinem said, "Finally, one for us." <laughs> Arcade seats were wet. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, Vibrate mop up, mop, mop up all the pussy juice because these chicks are not going to stop playing Miss Pac-Man. Oh, can you imagine the kill screen on that one? <laughs> the uh, the cop oh, right. comes out and fucks the shit out of you. The uh, and then there was uh, then yeah, then there was like a Junior. Well, it was Pac-Man Junior. Yep. And then there was the one where it had the arcade screen on the front, and then they had the pinball. Pinball. Game the that was Pac-Man Junior, I think. No, I think that was a different. I think he's that, right. There was there was there was an arcade Junior, and then there was the pinball one. Yeah, okay. that was Junior as well. Cause yeah, cause then well, there was then a there scrolling. Then Super Pac-Man. Super Pac-Man came out. Do you remember that one? Uh, yeah, I, I think I. It was I all like different foods and everything. If you ate this certain, it made you a giant Pac-Man. You could go. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and Pac-Land. Then Pac-Land. there was Pac-Land, which was like you were like a very like Mario or Mario yeah. type thing. Yeah. Dude, it was actually. Uh, I think I might have a, a, a clip of it somewhere still, but there was a uh, there was a Pac-Man Christmas special. That came oh. out like a cart, like an animated sort of like, hey, well, I think it was like Pac-Man Saves Christmas. And uh, it came out in the 80s. And uh, guess just uh, guess what uh, Miss Pac-Man's uh, sort of uh, cute uh, uh, lovey-dovey name for her husband was? Yeah. Packy. <laughs> so I swear to God. It's like, what are we going to do now, Packy? Because all the ghosts would, they would, they, it would show them all in a bobsled. They were going through, like, they were just, they were throwing snowballs at each other, all the Pac Man, the Pac Man's family. And then the ghosts showed up, and then the wife at one point goes, uh, uh, like, oh, what are we going to do now, Packy? And I remember watching that with my girlfriend. We're like, oh my God, can you? And yeah. you're just sort of like, when did that become a racial yeah. slur? I don't know. Well, I don't know if you know it's not. There's a, there's a Christmas special with uh, Donkey Kong. And Luigi said, "Hey, what up, nigger?" No, uh, <laughs> he uh, no. But in the eighties, the mid eighties, that that wasn't a rare thing because the um, morning lineups of TV actually took their ideas from video games. And there's actually a Dragon Slayer mm-hmm. uh, cartoon series. There is a Pac-Man cartoon series. There's a Cubert cartoon series. Well, it was like a Rubik's Cube one Rubik's too. Rubik's Cube, yeah. Who's with a Hispanic family? Yeah, and called it a Rubik. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what are we going on now, Rubik? <laughs> but uh, and then. Uh, but uh, I remember the first time I think I saw uh, I got my PS One and I played Resident Evil for the first time. Yeah. And uh, there's that one part in Resident Evil where you get to the police station. This is like in the first couple minutes of the game, and you're walking through one of the hallways, and then it cuts, and then it's like an animated sort of sequence where, um, uh, and then there's this gigantic lizard demon on the ceiling, and you know because you know how in when they advertise games now, you'll they'll show a clip from it and. Uh, They'll say, uh, not actual video game play. They'll have that, like, that warning on the bottom of it. They'll say, not actual gameplay screen. Uh, but now, video games are so good that where that actually is the right, video game. Right, right, yes. But, um, so in Resident Evil, you'd walk through the thing. It would cut, and then it would go to a, a video clip, and then you'd see the demon on the screen. And I'd never seen graphics before like that in a video game. And uh, I might have been a little bit high when I was watching it, and I <laughs> genuinely was scared. I was like... <laughs> I gotta put this controller down. If this video game is gonna be all like that, I was at my parents' place. They were gone for the weekend. And I was just by myself, and I was just like, "I'm putting this down. I can't. I can't play this game by myself." It was literally I hadn't seen uh, graphics like that ever before, and it was like, uh, it was like a fucking scene from The Ring or something like that too. 
My, uh, it's funny. My wife and I were playing a game recently. She plays games with me, and uh, it's called Beyond Two Souls, and it's kind of a two-player thing. But she was walking into a basement that was just dark, yeah. And she got so scared because of the music and stuff that she just threw the controller at me. It's like I can't play this anymore. <laughs> you won't. I remember trying to play Silent Hill with headphones on, and then you'd start hearing shit like, <sighs> like off to the side. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm not doing this. I can't. There's, this is not fun anymore. Yeah. I don't, you know, and you're like, well, these aren't real people, but you know, those scenes where you're just running through the fog and you'd see and you'd hear shit and the sound is so good. You don't even know what's now, real and what's did not. Did your girlfriend always play video games? Like before she met you, did she play video games? Yeah. Like she played Sonic and Mario and, right. and some of the classic, but she wasn't a gamer right. by any means. No, I kind of forced her to play because she makes me watch her shitty reality TV. So uh, I'll be like, <laughs> uh, I still, my girlfriend used to, my ex used to love Judge Judy and I don't think I could sit through that even though if she, but that's funny because mm-hmm. uh, I think there was a generation of female game players that sort of started up once the consoles were in, oh in the, the girls home. girls are 25 now or hardcore gamers somehow yeah, I know. Like, yeah. yeah. and they're hot like there's hot 25 year olds they're like know. super into games oh and well i mean if you into, well, into, into, into cosplay at all you know then you see those like when they're dressing up like you know, characters from oh. legends of zelda oh, yeah, or something yeah. like that at the comic conventions you're like Holy shit! Oh my god! You were, you were uh, cr- all all fetishes are in just one outfit right now. <laughs> You're my favorite character from. Uh, oh man, I saw like the hottest like Chung Lee, yeah. Street Fighter, and I was like, "You're a hot chick and your video game character at once." Yeah, I have, a, I have a female friend of mine. Finish that- me anytime. I have a friend of mine, and she does the cosplay stuff at the comic convention, and every year I tell her, I hope you know like 500 guys are jerking off to you tonight. Just wanted to realize oh, so yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she's like, yeah, I was trying to avoid that. I'm like, well, you might want to show that. less. I don't <laughs> think you can. There's no avoiding yeah. that. If you put that outfit on, you know what you're doing. Well, it's also, too, it's, but you know what's amazing is if you go to those uh, comic conventions, and you just say, hey, can I take a picture of you in your outfit? They're also like, yes, you can. Well, that's why they wore them. So yeah. like you, you're giving us our material. Thank you very much. Yeah. But you're yeah. sort of like, sort of like, well, you must know what you're doing. I mean, they're proud of their costumes, and I don't think they're posing for jerk off shots. No, no, they no, don't realize but, that. No, to the Calgary. What is it? A fan expo here, or what? What exactly is it? A comic con? Yeah, actually, a guy that I went to um, to high school with, Kendrick Fung, is the guy that organizes the Calgary Comic Con, and uh, Jared and my buddies over at Pure Orange. And they're they're there every year, so they have a booth there. So I I usually go and hang out behind the booth and sell merchandise for them and stuff. Right. Yeah. What uh, now? Uh, I guess uh, I mean has your video game crossed over into you doing stand up at all? Was there any? Yeah, it's like you know I got a good ten minutes on video games probably. Yeah. How do you find that? Because it's sort of like you can easily alienate an entire audience, and it's sort of like there is there is a fun side to that though. When you do a video game joke and the whole crowd's sort of like, I don't know what he's talking about, but then there's like one table that's like, oh my god! Well, I just don't reference any games that have been done in the past ten years, right? Like yeah. all I talk about is Mario or Sonic oh, okay. or something. Or so, yeah. yeah, and so everybody gets it, right? Yeah, yeah usually. Have you ever thought about doing a stand-up show around the kind of the Comic Con here, or the the you know because the Never thought of that. That's no. a great idea, though, to try and like yeah. maybe do get a bunch of comics together and be like do a video game comic comedy nice. show. That'd be great. Yeah. 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 Because the problem with a lot of the comic cons or any of the ones that go around is there's lots of things for everyone to do during the day, you know, from like, you know, 10 to 6. Mm-hmm. And then at night, they might have one or two small things they can all go do, but they're all just kind of like, eh, well, that's it, you know. Like in Toronto, there's like, what, something like 40,000 people that go to that one. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. they have, well, I mean, they have 
mask or they have like the costume balls and stuff like right. that where everyone gets together and they do awards for the pro uh, for uh, who has the Best nicest costume. outfit and shit but mm-hmm. but i thought you know what I, i'm sure if you know if you wanted to stick it out for a year or two and tried it and you know worked out all the kinks you could probably do a show at the convention yeah uh, and just said hey we're having a show at two o'clock and we'll have one at like four o'clock and one at eight o'clock or something like that because you know you walk around up and down those you know, you go through artists alley you see all the cool shit mm-hmm. then you go and you look at all the booths and yeah it's a lot of it's just an opportunity to buy shit yeah and then some people are like well what am i i've, I've paid this much to go in here what am i going to do now for an hour yeah and if you just had like a really solid hour show yeah, yeah nothing super it's long. a great idea and yeah. then you could just be like hey just come here for an hour it's because it'll be a lot of fun and just the, get all your star trek stuff in a row <laughs> yeah all your references i think BlizzCon has a comedian every year yeah i know i saw Patton oswald there one year oh yeah well that yeah. would be the perfect example yeah what uh, now? Uh, there's uh, oh, so, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Um, so something you've, you've decided to do something in the last few months uh, for the next year of comedy that I find interesting. Okay, uh, and that is you're gonna you're uh, before this moment uh, you would bill yourself just like very similar to me and Dave, kind of edgier kind of comedy is what you like and and you kind of gravitate more towards. Well, you had the you had the uh, comedy going to hell that you Go, going to hell Sundays for yeah, two was years, the, was it? Three and a half years. Three and a half years, which which was a Sunday night showcase for dark and edgy comedy in a, in a bar in, in Calgary. Right. But in the last, co- I don't know how when you started this, I'm just saying last couple months. because Five wait. days ago. Five days? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Brand so five new. days ago you decided that you're now going to try to do a year of clean comedy. Yeah, it's my uh, it's my my anniversary of comedy is October 30th and so that was my 6 year anniversary and right. I decided for my 6 year of comedy I was going to try this where there was no profanity, I have to dress in button-up shirt and jeans and at least designer jeans, no no ball caps, which I love my ball caps. Right, and, like a nicer presentation, right? Okay. Yeah, uh, no dig, not, no dirty jokes and no groups, no jokes that could be offensive to large groups of people. Those are the four rules. So it's like, and the reason I decided to do it is just I, I wanted to challenge myself and it seemed like a good idea at the time, but I swear now I'm just like, not only does it seem impossible, it seems stupid now. It's like, why well, am I trying? Days in. It's not like you're three months in. I know. But yeah, yeah. But I'm trying, I'm, I'm starting to think, it's like, why am I trying to be somebody I'm not on yeah, stage? Yeah, there's, there's that part to it, but I I respect the challenge. Yeah. Uh, because you know it is hard, and also once you sort of find your voice and you and you start sort of you know getting better and better at expressing that voice, it, it's harder to derail and try to do something that you're just not used to. And sometimes some people might say not good at either. Yeah. And we've all done clean shows. We've all had to do those shows, right? And yeah, I remember you talking in your workshop in Calgary yeah. about how, yeah, I do this, but I did a lot of other stuff before I was right. this guy. Right. And I can do clean shows. And the yeah. thing, and uh, I, I'm not very good at them. I'm just not. That when I have to do it, I go and I do half hour. It's okay. It's not great, though. I'm not blowing yeah, the I mean, little roof off the place. But there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think, like for me, I, I can do well doing clean shows, but do I do as well clean normally as I do my normal show? No. And I don't think that will probably ever happen. No matter how much time I invested into doing what you're trying to do, it's not really me. But, but it's not. I don't even be so black and white about it. It's working out a different muscle. I still write clean jokes. Even in my 45 minutes to an hour I'm doing this last weekend, I actually take a moment where I say, look, I know people want nicer jokes. And I do two or three minutes of my newer clean stuff. I mm-hmm. always kind of slip it in. So when I have to do that Christmas party where I'm paying the rent, I'm doing it. Because you know, we'd all love to be rock and roll. It's my way or the highway. But that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it- and there's nothing wrong with working out a different muscle. It's just when you're dedicating a whole year of it, you might be biting off more than you can chew. And I 
could see it stagnating you or the feeling of, why am I doing this very quickly? Yeah. Like, do you have any thoughts of like going back and rewriting dirty stuff and then trying to make it clean again? Thought about that. Um, I've gotten a few tips from people about how you can do things like that, how you make yourself a victim. Like if you're going to talk about masturbation, talk about walking in on somebody masturbating rather than yourself masturbating. And then yeah. you're kind of the victim as well, and it's a little bit cleaner to right. approach it that way. Right. And there's – you know, so I'm getting some tips from people, but um, – Sorry, what was the question again? Yeah, like, go just back to your old material stuff. and just rewrite some of it, clean it up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll be doing that. Um, but uh, and I also know that I can't just do this. I'm being paid to do a job, and I can't just go out there and shit the bed, right? Which well, is no, what no, I'll yeah, do. Exactly, so, that's what I'm saying. It's working out a different muscle. Yeah, right. So I do it. So when I say I'm going to be trying my best to do it, but on my paid shows, I'll be making sure people laugh first. But at open mics, this is all I'm doing for the next but, year. But like, did it, any of it come from like? Did any of this, the, the challenge that you're giving to yourself, did, did any of that come from, like, you seeing opportunities being lost to that, like, oh, shit, if I could work clean, then maybe I could have done this or could have done that? Or you could steer yourself to more corporate work, which I know is a lot bigger out west than some people might say, you know, in on, Ontario or or more east east coast. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. Like there's a lot of oil companies here that want clean companies and there's a lot of money in those things, right? And I have had agents say to me like, "Yeah, I just don't know if I can trust that you're not going to pull the artist and you're just going to do whatever you want to do." And I'm like, "I'm why would I want to yeah. Tank myself. I, I don't actually, understand. Actually, that's the name of my third DVD, Pull the Artist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh... That's what somebody, that's one of the people from Callback said to me. They were like, I just want to make sure. And I was like, well, no. And then I didn't get the gig. They were look, like, you know, yeah. I, I got no problem with that. They're just being, at least they're being honest with you. They're not mm -hmm. going, well, maybe, you know, they're just telling, calling you on what they think it is. And I'd rather know that than not know that. Totally. You know, um, they're just trying to be professional. So that's fine. But and, and it truly is a business. I mean, corporate comedy yeah. is a business. It's no, you know, you leave your artistry at the door. There's no point in being, you know, you don't, and, and this is coming from a guy that doesn't do corporates, but I, I, at least I know that, like, you don't show up going, man, I got to get my point across to these people. It's <laughs> like, no, they just had a dinner, and you <laughs> go up, and you talk. They had an and, okay year. They just want to party. And, and, then, and, and then, yeah, so, like, you know, let them have their fun. Uh, <laughs> like someone sounds like they're having fun outside in the hallway <laughs> with a vacuum cleaner. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, you leave your artistry at the door. If it's a corporate gig, I mean, how could you, how could you misconstrue corporate, corporate business comedy? Right. Yeah. So, and I need to clarify as well that I was never the dirtiest comic to begin with. I just no, got no, the I reputation because of going to hell Sundays because right. I love dark and dirty comedy, but that didn't mean I was actually doing it all the time right? Right, right I really wasn't so right. I was it was kind of an undeserved reputation on top of it so I kind of felt like this blog and this thing was was the something is when you put all this stuff out there how much you love something and well I'm, I love this and this kind of thing and you post clips of all one kind of thing right it, it's kind of like if it walks like a duck it is a duck you yeah, know what yeah. I mean it's like it's hard it's for me I get it all the time I can do clean comedy but they're like, Darren, I see your clips. You know, you're not that guy. And I can't really bitch too much that I'm not getting that much clean work because I am projecting that devil image so much. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know what? We're going to give to this guy who doesn't do that. You know? Right. So I realized, why not make a blog and, you know, and kind of say, make it really public that I'm doing this and right. write about it every week. And I'm hoping to turn it into a book afterwards because I'm, I'm thinking that even the general public might find the idea of a guy that was doing dirty comedy going clean for a year. They might find that interesting. Like, man, if Darren Frost went clean for a year, people would be interested so in that. So <laughs> well, but yeah, but that I do think that is kind of interesting, but I, sometimes I think that comedy is the one thing that people don't 
there's always moments where I think comedy is the one thing where I don't know if people care to look behind the curtain that people are really just happy with watching it, laughing at it, enjoying it. Yeah, you because it's sort of but like musicians and fucking pageants and even cooking shows, people are like, oh, I wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Comedy is one of those things where I think people are just like, oh. Yeah, you might be right. But but they, And they've tried it. They've tried it. Like, Last Comic Standing was not a huge success. Mm-hmm. I mean, any movie about stand-up comedy has not been a big success. Even Comedian by Seinfeld, sure, it was watched, but it wasn't a big box office It wasn't a big success. success no. no, but I remember why people, like, I went to go and see that, uh, I went to go see Comedian, uh, I forget who the one of them uh, one thing I went to go see with like Alan Park and another comic and we could hear people leaving the not during the movie but leaving the movie being like I thought it was going to be funny I thought it was going to be a concert movie I thought it was yeah. going to be this huh and, really I mean it was you know, it was clear in the title that uh, this was a, a documentary about stand up but still it's like I remember sitting with my girlfriend and one of her friends uh, watching uh, when stand up stood out and, you know, the documentary about the Boston years. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on the edge of my seat. Going, oh, my God. <laughs> this is amazing. It's like I'm watching, like, a, a Formula One race and who's going to crash. <laughs> and I'm like, isn't this cool? And they're all sitting. And, and her and her fucking gay friend were like, uh, no, this is boring. You know, yeah. everyone's like. And even, like, the Conan O'Brien one, you know, people would just. What annoyed me so much about the Conan O'Brien talk show, you know, war was like everyone was like, oh, what's Conan complaining about? He got 40 million to leave the show. And and it was mostly comics that were sort of like, yeah, but that's not the point. You know, they took his show away. Yeah, Doug Stanhope said it too because there was that guy from Vancouver who wanted to do a documentary on stand-up comedy. He went and talked to Doug Stanhope, and the first thing Doug Stanhope said to him is like, "Why are you doing this?" Yeah, and he goes, "Well, because it's interesting." No, it's not. He said the only people that find comedy interesting are uh, the art of comedy interesting are comedians yes. and a very small portion of the public. Yeah, right. And he's like, "But he's like, I don't even know why you're doing this documentary. It's not going to go anywhere." Is what he told the guy right at the start of the yeah. interview. Yeah. Oh, look, I've been uh, I've been doing this twenty. 20- Four years, I've been interviewed seven times for feature-length documentaries. Yeah. I mean, I've been interviewed three times in the last eight months for a feature-length documentary. That's not going to go anywhere. It probably won't even these probably won't even come out. You know, yeah. it's just well, they'll come out and then they'll be in like a very small section of uh, you know your your you know it will be in a small section on Netflix or something. No, like I that. don't even know if they'll come out. I think sometimes people, like you said, they get excited. I'm going to do this, and then after talking to comics and then trying to really build a, a, an amount to be able to put out a documentary, they're like, "Yeah, maybe this isn't worth it." Hmm. You know, and then a lot of them don't come. Like a lot of people start documentaries. Not a lot of people fucking end documentaries. Trust me, it's not an easy easy procedure. And everyone just thinks I'll just buy a pro consumer camera and just uh, shaky cam a couple interviews and put it together in iMovie and we got a documentary. Well, you got to wait for something to happen too. Like the yes. guys that made King of Kong started off as a documentary about the history of, of video games. games. And then uh, Ghosts along, and Con- I can't uh, remember what it's I want to call it really? Ghosts I didn't and know Machine. That. Oh, yeah, I think it's a, yeah. And, huh. uh, oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. The, they, I, they have a whole other feature that they were shooting in the wow. movie. They were shooting it. Sorry to cut you off, Dave, but they were shooting it. Then they met the um, guy, the King of Kong, and the, the sauce guy. And then they shot this whole separate documentary. Yeah, they, Billy Mitchell. They met Billy, Billy Mitchell. Mitchell. And, and then they went back to their original documentary. So there's actually another documentary that th- those guys did on the history of video games. And probably was nowhere near as successful, well, right? Because no, it wasn't, oh, well, it, it never, it wasn't it as never dramatic. Came out. It's yes, like it did. yes, it did. The, the Ghosts of the Machine yes, one? Yes, I have it. Well, I know, I you, I know you have it. I have it, too. But I, it's uh, but it's a hard thing to find. Yeah, it didn't come out like the same way King of Kong. It didn't no. play the festival. Sort of yeah. Like King of Kong. 
I didn't even stuff. hear about it. So yeah. I don't. But I think it's it's like the forgot. It's like a DVD extra sort of thing. Like, I don't yeah. think they ever really wanted it to go anywhere. Right. I think it was like, no, we found King of Kong, and here's a real story yeah. of these two guys, and then that's what to make the documentary. Okay, that wraps up the second segment of our conversation that Darren and I had in. Calgary with Derek Sweet. Uh, we will be back right after these words with uh, the final segment of our conversation with Derek Sweet. Guess which host wears a shirt at the gym that says, Yes, I farted. This is Anything Hey, it's Big Daddy Taz. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM. I was going to say FM, but they hit me last time, so that's it. I'm XM Radio. Remember, if you don't remember it, it never happened. This is Anything Goes. Okay, we are back. That is, well, thank you for uh, sticking around with us. We are going to be launching into the third segment with our conversation with Derek Sweet. Uh, while Darren and I were at the Calgary Yuck Yucks Club, we uh, took some time out to uh, interview a bunch of Western comics, and this week is the spotlight is on Derek Sweet. So here we go for the third segment of that conversation. Now, where, uh, I mean, how many shows have you done with this challenge under your belt? Uh, the first one was going to Hell Sundays last Sunday, oh. and I didn't. Well, don't bail on it, it now. Yeah, but it, <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I'm not bailing on it. I've done, the latest blog entry all talks about how I want to bail, but I'm not because I know it's just fear. I'm scared of yeah, bombing. That's what it is, yeah. I'm scared of not being able to do it. Right. And, you know, but more than that, I'm scared of being perceived as a quitter because I don't quit anything. So. But it'd be kind of cool if at the same time you wrote, if, like, if while you're blogging, you have to actually, you know, I mean, if you record your sets and you document your sets, and then also at the same time, you're writing the jokes that you can't do that at the end of that one year, then you're like, you holy sh- then you have a bank of material right. that you haven't had, A, haven't had the chance to work on, and B, haven't been appropriate for your uh, your challenge that you're giving yourself. I yeah. still think any topic can be done clean. I think Brian Regan, or not Brian, but maybe someone like Jim Gaffigan or Louie could get away with any topic and keep it clean. Yeah. Uh, the, the language and some of the other imagery and innuendo is just a crutch for trying to get through it in a, a shitty bar gig, you know? Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, even... That doesn't mean you're going to do a euthanasia joke at a fucking Christmas party, but you could talk uh, a clean joke about euthanasia at a, a church function if you did it the right way, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's death. You still can talk about it. I actually, on this topic, I remember I, this just came to me, probably my first or second year of comedy, watching you do a show, Darren, yep. and you said... A lot of people think I need to say fuck to, to make people laugh. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to say fuck for that. I'm not going to swear once for the rest of the show. And you right. didn't. Right. And that was cool. That was that was one of the first times, yeah, I think, I that I saw. I swear too much. Yeah, so I, do sometimes I. Sometimes I try to readjust and, and do that or make a point. You know, maybe someone that night was said to me, all you do is say fuck. Cause I, I think somebody one. did, yeah. Someone just said, oh, well, all you do is say fuck. You're a dirty comic. I'm like, okay, watch this. And then I went and did it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I need more people to say right before the show, all you do is say fuck. But. What if someone came up to you and said that you use motherfucker too much well, then and then replace it with an asshole? No, I would just stop saying any swearing words in that show. Well, no, but I mean, there's a difference between motherfucker and asshole. No, but I just, you know. I got to, uh, I got to see Mark Marin at Just for Laughs this year because yep. I was there for Homegrown and, uh, and I watched his show and it was great because there was an old couple on the second row and they weren't laughing. And he, five minutes in the show, he goes, why aren't you guys laughing? And the old woman goes, it's just too dirty. Mm-hmm. 
And it, you're, no, he said, you're cursing too much. And he just goes, shit. And he looks down and he, he rants a little bit. And then he looks and he goes, you've ruined the whole show now. I hope you realize that. Yeah, yeah. I can't be comfortable. And the, he kept going back to them and then talked about how it was his grandmother. When she watched his first HBO special, she got all her friends around and she called them afterwards. and was like, oh, Mark, it was just filthy. I can't believe I showed all my friends that. And then eventually he's talking to the woman. And he looks at the woman and goes, I'm sorry, grandma. Okay. I'm sorry about the HBO. He's like, and then he looks at everybody else. I'm, like, I'm working through some shit here. Okay. It was brilliant. I loved it. How was your homegrown experience it was awesome i had a great i was scared shitless and i was and i i haven't been it felt like being an amateur again like first time on stage that's how scared i was right and so but the set went well i i i uh i got laughs everywhere i wanted it to and i fucked up one transition really bad but my wife was taping it even though she wasn't supposed to be Yeah, yeah she was holding her phone up against her chest and taping it and I watched it, and you can barely, like, in my head, I royally destroyed the transition, the segue between jokes. But when yeah. I watch it, it was half a second. Well, yeah, like, it's like John Wing on America's Got Talent. I don't know if you saw the moment. There's a moment there where he actually forgets where he is. And I was watching with my wife and someone else because I showed them it. They never picked up on it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. Huh. And I, that night, I even mailed, emailed John or Facebooked him and said, uh, hey, how you doing? He's like, I'm okay. Uh, I said, you forgot where you were, weren't you? He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. But only only we pick up on that shit. Yeah, and totally. Don't, right? Yeah, yeah. What was your what did you uh, what were your expectations going into the homegrown? My expectations were go and have a good time. I didn't okay. expect to win. I knew when I'm going up against guys like Brown O'Gorman and Graham K and Ivan Decker. Like Ivan Decker was in homegrown six years six and a half years ago before I even started doing comedy, so right? So you shouldn't be allowed to do homegrown. Well, but <laughs> but they changed it around though. It's like that let Sort of, they they found that loophole in the system that I think probably I think when Ivan Decker was in it, it was like that sort of contest where it was three parts of the country, and then they changed it, and then so he was oh, it's a brand new thing. Well, now he's eligible to be in it again. But it's just because we've talked about that before. When I think when Kevin Stobo was on about how people. You know, uh, depending on how early you get that big opportunity to go to a festival like Just for Laughs, how, you know, your expectations might be this going into it. And then it's what your expectations are when you leave it. Like, how were they go? Apparently, I mean, it was your expectations were to have a good time when you went in. Mm-hmm. And how how did you feel going out of it? Great. Yeah, yeah. I I had the time of my life. I got to see so many of my like comedy idols. I got to see Chappelle, Mark Marin. I got to see uh, I'm drawing a blank. Maria Bamford. I love her too. And so I was seeing all these comics. And then my set, like I said, I just didn't want to eat shit. Right. Right. You just don't want to bomb. Yeah. And I got whether laughs. You, whether you win that thing, I mean, that's the problem with competitions. It breeds a sense of if I don't win, then it's nothing. But the reality of a competition is, as long as you don't fuck it up and you don't drop the ball. How do you know what those three judges are going to decide on what they're looking right. for the flavor of that year? All you can do is go into it going, hope I don't fuck up. I have, hope I have a good time. Yeah. And if I win, hey, great. I'm not saying you're going to be like, oh, fuck this. But, you know, it's, it's only – that's like the kind of fucking icing on the cake. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and so um, what do you – do you uh, – like when you, when you get gigs now, I mean, is there any – like – but you said that when you – when you're getting paid to do it, you'll will you still throw out sort of the the, the odd dick joke to get you through a set? Yes, I'm going to try my absolute best to do a half hour clean. That's what I do right now is half hour shows pretty much all the time, yeah. or unless I'm emceeing. But and so I'm going to try. But if it's tanking, I'll start trying. Yeah, you got to do dirty stuff you have again. To do yeah, because well. I'm not I'm not going to sit there for thirty minutes. And not do well, right? It's the same thing yeah. when you're doing dirty stuff and it's not going well. Yeah, you, gotta, you switch to the cleaner stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to be so convicted on it that I'm going to screw over my booker, right? right like, yeah. 
So I'm going to, but I'm going to try my absolute hardest, man. I really want to get there so that I can do these kind of shows when I need to and do well at them because I get them. I get corporate shows, but I don't do great. I, the headliner is always doing way better than me, right? So. Yeah, but you got to also remember the headliner might be someone that's 20 years in. True. No, I know. But I, 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 it's like you said, working a different muscle is what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. And, but I mean, I, I've, I've heard that from other comics that even like the key to corporate shows is don't steal the night. You know, the, uh, the it's it's the it's the party that's the main yeah. right is yeah. the focus of the evening. People want to have a good time, but don't be like the the most you know don't don't worry about destroying. Just worry about making sure people I've, have fun. I've emceed so many corporate type shows, so I'm I'm not it's not my show, right? I'm just there to set it up. Mm-hmm. And I've seen headliners do you know like six or seven out of ten. But when they come off, they're shaking all the hands, they're kissing the babies, they're hugging everyone, acting like it's great that they're here and this party's great, and gotten a review that the show was amazing. Nice, that's good advice. You know what I mean? And I'm like, like that was like just you know a pretty good show, but <laughs> the letter was like, oh, we've never had comedy like that, you know. But a lot of it at those levels is about is happy to be there, you know, being Glad nice, and, yeah. a party kind of atmosphere. You know, killing at those things isn't always the most important thing. Well, it's really also might, might, not, might not be the smartest thing, too, no. because if a guy, if, you know, if the head of the company has to go on after the comedian and he has a couple of jokes, <laughs> then you <laughs> might, you don't want to, you don't want to blow the CEO off the stage is what I'm saying. And yeah. also probably when they're writing a recommendation letter for you or, or when they're giving uh, you know, feedback about the evening, they're judging the entire evening. They're not probably judging just your portion of the yeah. evening. So if they had a great time, an amazing time that evening, then the, you'll turn out to be the uh, the highlight as well. So they'll be like, "Oh, and the comedian was great," but and but and they don't mention, "Oh, but we love the crab cakes and all this other shit too." Huh? It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about any of this. This will make for a good blog entry tonight. Pete, Pete Johansson was the guy that told me that. that yeah, I, I, I'll give him credit for telling me that. Yeah, you don't want to blow the CEO off the stage. <laughs> you just you want to give him a little time as well because you know they. You know, he's probably going to open with a joke and uh, make a couple of cracks about his own company, and so he wants to get a couple of laughs as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, um, where, and, uh, and okay, so if, so if, if people, people want to get a hold of, of Derek Sweet, what's the best way for them to do that? Is uh, it through Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter is Sweet Comedian. Uh, Facebook, I don't really add. I, Facebook's more for my social network, and I don't do any promotions on Facebook. So Twitter, okay. Sweet Comedian, and uh, DerekSweet.com. And the, the blog is clean.derekSweet.com. And you know what? You have that old. Uh, there was that one headshot that you have where the glasses are sort of on the bridge of your nose. Oh yeah. And I saw at the club that devil horns were drawn on. It. Yeah, yeah. That is. Uh, your hair is like a little bit longer in it in that picture. Uh, yeah. I used to and, have hair down to my shoulders. Black hair down to my shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And what now? What, can I just quickly ask, like, uh, what was the what was the decision to to lose the hair? And because you look, you know what, you look like a university professor. Because <laughs> uh, when I look at that headshot, you look like a university professor about to tell me how I'm failing his class. Because you have your your glasses are down like this, and you're kind of looking at me like it looks like you're about to tell me, Dave. You know that you can do better. No, I got I got to change that headshot. Tony Benz told me he wants to punch me in the face every time he sees that headshot. So I got to I got to change it because people don't like it. But uh, no, it's a uh, it was, I had the, I got I cut the long hair Very because um, <clears throat> I cut the long hair because I met my wife and oh. after and after a year of her telling me how terrible I looked with long hair I just cut it that's <laughs> that's truly the that's funny it's like it, it's I did the same thing with my pubes my pubes used to run down <laughs> on my knees and then my wife is like if you don't cut that you know 
How successful were you with long pubes before? Very successful. Really? I, yeah. would, I would question the, uh, the kind of women that uh, gravitate towards... The women like uh, the little tickly on the sides, yeah. I remember, I remember you... St- I don't know if you still do, but you used to have a one-liner about ass beard, too, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. The, the Jim Knife heart. Uh, <laughs> Asshole. Fucking, I remember... You know what, Jim the Anvil Nine. <laughs> I always sort of say, it's like... Well, you, because I've seen women with like huge, huge vagina bushes that, uh, and when you're sort of like, how do you not know that you have that? Yeah. Like when it's just a, a massive amount of like black hair that's that must uh, just retain or yeah, bicycle and... spokes and things like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> but how do you not know that you have that when you get out of the shower? And it's 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 the opposite uh, sometimes for because a guy and it doesn't hang down when it's wet. I mean, when it's that long, it well, hangs down. When it's it like... drips like a camel's beard or something yeah. like that, it's like a guy literally, <laughs> a guy literally has to. Live Lift up his bag and look at, at his sort of Jim Neidhart sort of pokey goatee going down yeah. there. As long uh, or, as it's not spitting. I mean, it's like it's... I remember like the first, you know, a guy can go his entire life not knowing that he has a hairy back. But it's like, but like, I don't know how a woman can go without knowing that like, oh, man, I'm carrying around like a knit cap downstairs. <laughs> but anyways, we, we, we got out how people could get in touch with you. Uh, sweet, com- sweet Comedian yep. on Twitter. That's right. Very cool. And then Derek, uh, Derek Sweet Comedian.ca. Is that the other one? DerekSweet.com. DerekSweet.com. Even better. All right. Well, thank you very much, Derek, Thanks, for Derek. Uh, coming down. Very Thanks, cool. Thanks, guys. Man. Honored to be here. Honestly, I'm a huge fan. It's great to be here. Cheers. Very cool. Okay. There we go. That is... Uh, uh, that that is the uh, final segment of our conversation that Darren and I had with uh, with Derek Sweet while we were out in Calgary. Uh, best of luck with Derek's, um, you know, his uh, goals, his quests uh, to doing a a year of clean comedy. Uh, I don't know if I would could do it or would want to do it, but uh, he's giving it a shot. And uh, I mean, hopefully he'll have like a stack of like sick, dirty jokes that he can do it that, that like he might not necessarily be doing, but he. Can still write them, you'd think, but who knows? We'll see. Check out Derek Sweet to see how that uh, adventure goes. Uh, that is it for this show. Uh, uh, coming up in future weeks, we have uh, conversations with Corey Mack, Daryl Mack, and Chris. I can't even. Oh man, I can't pronounce his uh, name. Chris Nanaroni. Uh, he's the guy from the show uh, Burger Wars. And uh, what a feisty interview that was. So listen to that. Uh, if you can imagine a, a guy that hosts a, uh, a show where you just go around and taste food, uh, he's got a lot of anger in him for some reasons. But uh, it was a great time talking with him and great time talking to Daryl and Corey as well. So uh, listen to that in future episodes. And remember, you can catch Darren Frost uh, New Year's Eve in Ottawa at the Elgin Yuck Yucks. And uh, uh, you can catch Kenny Robinson uh, December 5th at um, the Elma Combo. He's doing the Ford Folly with uh, Simon Rakoff, Alan Park, Mark Walker, Craig Lorizon, Mike Rita, and Steve Kersner. Uh, tickets are $15. 8.30 p.m. is showtime. So go and check out uh, Kenny Robinson doing the Ford Follies, an evening of all Rob Ford jokes. And uh, <laughs> what a uh, what an evening that will be. I'm sh- I'll go and check it out. You might see me there. And, uh, yeah, once again, I don't have a uh, New Year's Eve gig, so uh, if you'd like to, me to come out at your place, you can contact me through Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, quite hospitable. I'll uh, bring some chips and maybe a, a, a bottle of wine or something or, uh, you know, enough beer for me to drink. And, uh, eh, and yeah, who knows? So, uh, yeah, I'm a good time. What can I say? Uh, until next time, uh, party hard and party safe. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Anything Goes. Good night, everybody. Party hard, party safe, in case I didn't say that already. That's it for this week. Anything Goes wants to thank Victoria for producing the show and George Westerholm for the music used. Follow the hosts on Twitter at Comedy Whore 
at Dave Martin World. Download new episodes every week on iTunes. Join the Facebook group and follow the show on Twitter at Anything Goes Hot. Anything Goes hopes you laugh, cry, and learn something. Come back next week. And until then, take it easy. <laughs>